0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. report we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Welcome to Screen Talk IndieWire's weekly movie podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, the executive editor and chief critic, joined as always by Ann Thompson, our editor at large. And we thought this would be our first post-election uh, episode last week. We which, only we wish. Sort of- As we are talking now, I happen to have CNN on, on mute in the background as as they tabulate Pennsylvania, and fingers crossed when people listen to this, they'll know who the new president of the United States is and that that person is Joe Biden, but we don't right now. It's been, I think the the best line that that was out there experiencing this last night or two nights ago, whatever it was, whatever time is now, was Jake Tapper who was like, this isn't a 90-minute thriller where you find out who did it at the end. It's a Netflix miniseries. I mean, it really feels like we're in that it's hard to I I don't like the narrative aspect of elections but it does feel like this story just keeps getting crazier. How are you dealing with all the stress.
2: Well, uh, I've been escaping. Actually, I've been watching Queens Gambit and Britannia and uh, (laughs) Soul and uh, you know, Hillbilly Elegy, and you know, I've just been you know, moving along, um, uh, you know, uh, checking in every now and then, trying to stay sane. It's really uh, stressful, I have to say. I until I know, until I know, I won't relax.
1: Yeah, it's fascinating because we've been building up to this moment for so long and the experience, I mean, I remember in 2000 that that was, you know, frustrating and confusing, but given everything we've been through in the last four years, you know, it's just to end the existential crisis and and anger and frustration and all that kind of stuff with this, it, it feels at once appropriate and like pouring salt on the wound. I mean, it's the most dramatic outcome you could ask for, I, I hope, and that it has an endpoint, but it's, it's just so strange to be in this moment. It,
2: it is very strange. And and I think that one of the things I've learned from it is to, re, to be reminded of the bubble that we live in and to be reminded that the polls don't necessarily, apparently, they got all the blue states right and they didn't get the red states right. And uh, maybe people were afraid to put down what they really thought and what they really wanted. Um, and we have a lot. Uh, people keep saying the same cliched phrase, and I know that it it's, it's true, um, we have a lot of work to do.
1: I think America is such a complex society that anyone take can't fully epitomize the range of opinions about how things should operate, much of which come from personal or selfish perspectives. And so when we look at these returns or when we talk about you know, the Trump contingency, it often feels like we're missing out on the, the nuances because we're, we all are trapped in our points of view, like you say, but I, but I also think we, it's impossible for us to understand the, the different ways in which people make decisions. But I will say, our people, the people who want Donald Trump to go, they turned out, and I'd like to think it's because you and I were sending them postcards. For the of last course, month, so. you were very really good. Was. You you
2: worked really hard. You did you did way more than I did, and I was very. I
1: did a lot of phone banking. Proud of actually, you. Which I was. was weird. I was proud
2: of all my friends that got active. I have friends like you do uh, who went and, and uh, worked at the polls, worked the polls and you know traveled. I mean, you know, I stayed home, but um, you know, we're gonna get through this. We always do, and um, you know. You and I are just continuing to do our jobs, which we're lucky to have, and uh, move forward uh, as best we can. So, you and I both escaped from this craziness this morning by watching the movie Soul at the same time in our respective houses. Um, And boy, did that make me feel happy. I just smiled and smiled
1: you couldn't ask for better I think it's at once counter programming and sort of a direct response to the the mood that we just described it's like the feel-good tear-jerker kind of experience this season and in, you know as much as my sort of mank land oriented kind of mentality is 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 concerned where I get really excited about you know these you know, cinematic auteur gestures, the Pixar touch, you know, a movie that is both incredibly innovative in terms of the story it's telling and still, you know, falling into a very familiar accessible register is this extraordinary balancing act. And when they get it just right, it works on so many levels. And that's what this movie really does. I mean, it it surprised me. I have to
2: say, I, I was impressed and I was expecting, I had a high... Uh, expectation, huge, huge expectation. I, I will confess to you that Mank, for example, is a movie that I went in. I couldn't have been more excited. I couldn't have been more thrilled, and I expected a lot. And I was a little bit disappointed by Mank. Not so with Soul. Soul fulfilled me in every every way, and and it, it's New York. It's very photo real. For, for a Pixar animated movie, the characters aren't, but the settings are very, very lifelike. And the story like Inside Out, which of course is Pete Doctor, uh, the same genius guy who also did Up, this, this story is a, another existential drama, you know, where this guy is supposed to have died. He's supposed to have yeah. fallen down I mean- a manhole. It and is he worth ends point... up Fighting for his life.
1: I think it's worth pointing out. It's a little. It's a little bit Inside Out. There's a lot of Inside Out in the world that they're exploring, but it's also a bit Coco, which is you know an afterlife That's true. movie. The, the world and, of the dead. And I think the the sentimental aspect of it, the emotional pull is is close to what Coco does in terms of letting go and understanding. You know what what somebody's you know sort of purpose in life is. I mean, you know, Inside Out. It's all inside the mind of somebody who is still developing into adulthood. This is about an adult. In this case, you know Jamie Fox is voicing this He's jazz so musician, good. So and good. Uh, and he is somebody who is both you know chasing his potential and still not totally sure what his complete potential is. And that's an incredibly very complex, we can all identify abstract. With that. Yeah, the whole but it, idea but it takes a whole that you movie think to... you
2: know who you are, but you don't. And you and don't it takes know all movie. of your own facets, and and and, and the the existential. Um, how can you embrace the world and come to? And he makes fun of a lot of the the sort of uh, crazy mystic stuff, but it works. But, it's but not. Fun. But I
1: think in it, the. But not in a way that sort of discounts that uh, you know a spiritual, spiritual view of life. Absolutely. It's, it's, it makes its argument in a way that that surprised my. When I said I wasn't disappointed by Mank at all, but I also kind of felt like I knew you know knowing Fincher and knowing this kind of story would be, I was not all that surprised by the kind of experience Mank is, but I do think Mank is an intellectually engaging experience. And this movie makes an intellectual argument in a more emotional way. And that's a key distinction, I suppose, in a season where we're obviously going to be making comparisons between movies that have nothing to do with each other. But I also think that the great thing about Soul is that at the very end of probably the most exhausting year in human history, certainly of this young century, this movie <laughs> is going to be history, so welcome. Shall we say? Yes. but hey, it's by the way, it's going to be so welcome.
2: It's comparable to 1968. I will give you 1968, which I lived through, and you didn't. <laughs> and I will say, the death of Martin Luther King, the death of Bobby Kennedy, uh, the 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 fall of Eugene McCarthy. Uh, the rise of Hubert Humphrey, the the, the ascendance of Richard Nixon, the um, things that happened at the at the convention at, at, with the Democrats, the election itself, all of that happened in one year. All of the, okay, the but student upris, uh, I, upris. I I
1: know it's We talk about the it all the time. We talk about it all the time, and I'm sure we'll be talking about 2020. But here's what I'd ask you: This one will. Movie, this one
2: will hold for you. I can. What see was
1: that. the What was the movie at the end of 1968? That spoke. I'm not saying that that Soul is the movie that epitomizes all of 2020, but I do think for the vast audience that will get this movie at the end of the year in December on Disney Plus, that it's going to be Soul that will be their sort of cathartic, you know, which is why I'm
2: arguing that the movie that could very well end up in this very strange, strange Oscar year being the one that hits the zeitgeist and uh, operates on a big scale and happens to be incredibly touching and moving and, and reaches people and and is also beautiful and artistic and extraordinarily executed, that movie could be Soul. And you know and I know that in an ordinary year, a movie like Soul will just win the animated Oscar, maybe get an, a writing nomination, maybe even a directing nomination for Pete Docter who totally deserves it. Maybe With a Ken uh, Powers is a, a co-director and then Kemp, two of them together, and then Kemp Powers actually wrote the movie, along with Mike Jones, our friend, who did such a yeah. good job with Pete, yeah. And, and yeah,
1: Kemp. it's cool to see that, and, and I interviewed and, and Kemp, dream, and I'm, yeah.
2: I'm, I'm a huge fan of his for uh, One Night in Miami, and he's having an amazing year, and, and Pete Doctor brought him in because I don't think Pete Doctor wanted to be entirely 100% responsible as a white man um, for telling this story. All right, so
1: we should get into that, right? So this is the first Pixar movie with a black lead, something that, frankly, it's it's a positive thing, but also not something Pixar should necessarily be celebrating because like everyone else, it's like, what the hell took so long? Exactly. Um, But I do think what's fascinating about it is that it is, it is effective at doing that without being about that i mean outside of a you know a taxi cab joke that is you know not overplayed i think and you know a reference to jazz as black improvisational music it doesn't it doesn't try to be you know sort of constantly reminding you that this is a movie about you know black being black in America and actually the sidekick in the movie is voiced by Tina Fey so if you really want to dig into it she's got all other kinds of connotations associated with her so there's going to be some really fascinating conversations about and I'm going to
2: argue that she and that character and all the all this the stuff that goes on in the tussle between the two of them as they head back to earth and try to figure out how to to navigate the the existential crisis that they're both in it's it's, it's brilliant what they do and utterly and unexpected and there's twists and turns yeah. yes we're
1: being careful we actually before we started recording we were trying to figure out what had been spoiled in the trailer which honestly I mean if you, this it's definitely a great movie to go and cold I told you before I try to avoid trailers unless I have to you know pay attention because of a story we're doing or whatever in this case what's really cool I think is that you know there was there's one trailer that doesn't spoil it really at all there's another trailer that kind of that gives you the afterlife component, but there's a twist about 30 minutes into this movie or something. Which or took me
2: completely by surprise. It's
1: so good because it, it sets up another phase to the adventure you don't see coming. And I will say I have a certain vested interest in a, in a character because it's a type of character I really like having around um, that, that made me just sort of melt for this movie. And, and so that was really fun. And then I will tell you also, I mean, it just, it, it got to me on the set, the, well, I hate using the word sentimental, but you know, it sounds almost like mawkish or something. It's, it's, I don't mean that in a bad way, but I- to your, You were the, moved. It, it, moves me, it moved me in a way that is, is, is hard to explain because it's about the particular nature of the journey the character is on and how he gets there towards the end. That I think is 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 earned. They don't just kind of go for it in a, in a cheap way, and and that was really impressive to me. Is that it, it manages to pull that off? Yep, so I agree. It's going to be fascinating to talk about this in in terms of how it plays into the other movies that we've been kind of engaging with over the course of this year. I but mean, it's wonderful sure. that
2: it's actually going to be on. You know, in, in spite of all the pandemic hazzuray, it's going to be on Disney Plus. You know, on December twenty fifth, it's a Christmas movie. It's and not you don't have to pay movie. more for it. You are already subscribed to Disney Plus, and presumably, they—if you're not—you're—you might actually try to to join up because it's worth seeing. It's 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 really one of those, utterly gratifying, satisfying joyful experiences. That's all I can
1: say. I, I'm a, here's something I am curious about. Um, with the, you know, one of the and selling- And it's witty.
2: It's witty and funny. And, yeah, it's, it's and, funny. And it's charming definitely funny. Wait, and clever. Wait, let me go. Can ahead. I throw
1: something out there? Because, you know, all of that, you know, somebody could have uh, assumed as much. All of the, all the, you know, witty, charming, clever, sure. You know, put those in the next trailer. But the thing that's, I think, significant as well, and also an interesting question worth looking into is, how this movie plays to adults versus kids this has been a thing for a while not just for pixar it's you know sesame street or whatever you know the idea of putting in aspects of the story that an older audience will get that will resonate with them these versus pixar how movies kids...
2: work on many levels they always I, but, do i
1: but i, I want to throw this out there the i i would like to know what the barrier for entry is to this movie if you are say five or seven or 10 or 12 I feel like it's gonna be a very different kind of this movie is a little older than
2: some of the family movies yes. that Pixar has done and I would say that the entry level is probably more like nine or ten eight or nine or ten at, in, at in other mo- words it's the, lowest, the young yeah. it's the young girl it's the young kids in, in music class. It's the girl. It's Connie in the movie. There's a girl in the movie who's having her own crisis about whether she's good at playing the trombone or whatever. Yeah,
1: I, yeah, I, I, and and the life and death stuff will obviously be. I mean, there was that moment in Inside Out where, where a, a beloved character vanishes from the picture, you know, and and I remember seeing that and being like, wow, that could really traumatize some kids. And and I don't think this movie goes quite in that direction. So but but it does deal with a lot of complicated feelings that a fully adult person might have about how they came up and that's something that a child's not necessarily going to grasp all, but, but
2: children are going to relate to this the con, the, the the Tina Fey characters um, anxiety about finding their purpose and finding uh, their spark. And that's, that's part of it. You know, ki- kids, worry about that too. You know, what, what who am I? And it's it, that, that's where the entry is. It's all those little souls in, in, uh, in, in the seminar <laughs> looking for their, for their purpose. <laughs> I love the yeah. idea that all these character, these, these, these little souls have, have personalities developed, you, you know, that you, you get a, Find one one before you go in and you're the insecure one and 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 that was that was all the visuals of the of this uh in between world and and the various gateways to uh returning to earth and all the different mechanisms of it were just fabulous i will say
1: i will say there's one recurring joke about different souls Have trained Tina Fey's character over a long period of time. That was funny. (laughs) Sometimes I thought it was a little too cheeky. Sometimes it was a little, at first I was not totally into it, but then they slipped in a George Orwell reference and I was like, okay, that was pretty good. So, and there's an Abraham Lincoln one that I really appreciated. That was good. The other
2: thing that struck me about that character um, is that that many, many people are going to identify with, with the people in this movie who are lost you know, who, who have the factor, you and, know, and uh, that's part of, and, and even to the extent that this character um, is a depressed character, the Tina Fey uh, character, uh, that, that number 22 is, is the right. character. Well, stage. that's the
1: name of the name of the thing that they go to, to kind of become mentors or, you know, they, they pair mentors with lost souls. It's called the you seminar. I mean, it's like, it sounds like one of those things you pay, Five hundred dollars for in, it, you in know California. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, they're so making f- they're having
2: a that. field day with various astrology, mystic, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But but the um the but the but the other wonderful element of this is is the design so that you have the real world, which is as as photo real as any uh, Pixar movie I've ever seen. Uh, not again, not the characters, but then when you go to these other worlds, it's very 2D. It's very hand-drawn in a graphic way that's just delightful. And you haven't seen that before.
1: There are some aspects of it in the, the, uh, the transitional moment early in the movie that actually, it's sort of like the pre-credit sequence. It reminded me of the drunk sequence in Dumbo. There's, uh, there's like this really imaginative, almost like a psychedelic kind of explosion of sorts. And, uh, and that's the thing that'll be cool about it too, is people talking about the different the different levels of animation that are at work here. And I'm sure as we get deeper into how this movie was made, the craft side of it will be worth talking about. They seem to have finished it during the pandemic. So, you know, however they did that, that, that was certainly uh, an achievement unto itself. And it's great for... Pixar to have have this at towards the end of the year, you know, Onward, I thought was, was fine. It was okay. Uh, that was earlier th- in the year, but this is, um, it's. It, they're both movies that kind of deal with people trying to find themselves in certain ways, but, but this one is, you know, just much more overall kind of effective. And um, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 there's been a lot of great movies this year. It's 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 one of the most satisfying well, years. Well, if you were I picking your
2: favorites of the year, what would they be?
1: Well, I'm not going to spoil my top ten list right now, Anne. But Eric, I have a come list.
2: on, it's early. You can change your mind. You can change. Well, your here's mind. the
1: thing. I mean, I I do keep a list the whole year. And, uh, and it's, it's, as you know, it gets longer every year following the, the, the calendar. So it was night top 19 last year, probably top 20 this year, but it's what, what I will say is that it's been, it's been an incredible year for a wide range of experiences. You know, we started it out with something like the assistant or. Uh, bloody nose, empty pockets, or whatever it is, and then towards the end of the year, I'm I'm talking about Borat. So it's I love that contrast, and uh, I do. I wish that uh, there was a more international scope of movies to talk about. I think that's a little unfortunate. Have you been able to catch are, any
2: of them? Because I've I've I feel seen some.
1: You've seen it. Well, you're you've been paying attention to these submissions, and I think that'll be at least a good excuse on my end to dig deeper into that, but it does feel like a lot of folks are, are waiting, so. This is one uh, thing we
2: could talk about actually, which is that the um, the AFI Fest did show some foreign language films, of course, and there were others that were at TIFF or, or Venice, um, and those of, People listening, who, who by the way, the reason we can talk about Soul is that it actually played at the London Film Festival. It's just yeah, a weirdly enough, of Disney finally giving us a chance to see a link, which is you know, yeah, I saw, I can see Mandalorian on there, on their uh, screening portal, but they've, I think this is the first time they've ever given me a, a real movie to watch. Uh, well, it, yeah, I mean, di- I, it's I, because it's Disney Plus. That's why.
1: I wonder if Disney. I assume Disney was not thrilled that this movie had to be oh, in London. We
2: saw Hamilton.
1: Sure. Well, it was supposed that, to
2: be in Cannes.
1: Right. That that's the thing. I mean, if you watch the full credits, Until, can uh, it was official, it's still officially a part of it. I mean, yeah. it was it, that that logo is in the in the end credits of the movie. So the I, it, it's interesting.
2: The thing that's terrible though is that the the other festival that is not gonna happen is the Palm Springs international film festival which is one of the ways that many people see uh the the foreign language films um again yeah it's a bummer it's a bummer. i
1: I know you've been a bunch i i went a couple years ago and had a a good time there and it's it's such a good lineup in the sense that you start the year with all these international films which you can kind of work through it
2: So you it kind of brings up this whole concept, the idea that there were certain festivals that were prepared, uh, you know, to to, for any eventuality for a hybrid or or a a not local, uh, uh, you know, approach uh, with an online component and and, and it, it, in fact, it expanded. Some of the festivals, the New York Film Festival, had more people uh, than ever before from around the, the country, and uh,
1: London and did all too. All fifty states, all fifty states. London I mean, that, had that a huge promising. component
2: outside of, of, of London, and and so in in the UK. And so I I I think it's interesting that some of these festivals didn't figure out a way to go virtual and that's why they have when the, the coronavirus continues on its merry way that's why they they aren't in a position to to actually make a pivot to to the online um, world which is a,
1: yeah it happened well, to tell you right. I mean, do we don't know all the financials, but it does seem like even a, a film festival that is, you know, doing pretty well online is not necessarily making the kind of money that they would be off of ticket sales and whatever else uh, in a normal festival year. So good for the the ones that went virtual. Hopefully, that's the start of something. But going virtual doesn't necessarily seem like enough of a justification for some of these festivals that are pretty costly to put together. Well, the
2: Hamptons managed to do it, for example. I mean, that would be the same level of film festival as Palm Springs and Santa Barbara is gonna do it. They're gonna be virtual. They're gonna go forward no matter what.
1: Yeah, I I mean, maybe you know more than I do about the Palm Springs. I'm just sorry about the foreign language thing. That's that's the aspect of
2: this. So
1: we lose that. So then I guess the, the next natural question is what makes up for that? How are people going to, you know, what will be the moment early next year that will sort of clue Academy members into? Uh, the foreign films they need to see now anybody can can sort of opt in to be
2: they right? can they're already screening on the portal so people i know who are academy members are watching foreign language films now uh they're being which is good around. yeah
1: which is good but then i suppose I, I would santa wonder, barbara
2: could be an option in fact that that's a question they I can migrate ask over them. there yeah. yeah
1: do they do they sort of float down to the next option i mean the the thing about anybody being able to watch something on on a portal seems like such a Double-edged sword. On the one hand, it's like, yeah, you can just binge all of these movies that you should be watching. On the other hand, where to begin? You know, it's not a cura- curated. Well, operation Doc NYC
2: anymore. is about to happen, and there's an enormous number of films. And all my friends are like, "What can I?" See? A lot of people who would ordinarily never pay any attention to Doc NYC are totally signing up to watch these great documentaries. We're going to do a preview of them soon.
1: Yeah, I think that Doc NYC is is really interesting to watch this year because of the nature of its programming. I mean, it's in a pretty dense lineup, but it seems like a good range of different issues. I mean, there's a lot of stuff I want to check out, and I'm very curious to see how you know a, an enlarged profile for a festival like that going virtual could actually work in the favor of a, a more you know complex. Uh, doc, year of documentaries I mean hopefully the lineup is really good I haven't seen a lot yet I know you've been watching some things so it'll be uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot to discuss on, on that front and then we'll get that short list uh, which is coming out later than usual this year and that'll be a whole thing for us to dig through I mean Absolutely. at this point we don't really know right we it's really hard to say what is the, the documentary oh I
2: think them. we can say Crip Camp and Boys State and Painter and the Thief and. Um, uh, the fight and um, the fight
1: really. Welcome I, you know, to of all Chechnya.
2: The... You know, there's a, the, there's uh... a list.
1: The, of all the yes yeah, certainly there's a list and and we could still be surprised by certain things i not torn to all the
2: i would say is great
1: we still don't know who's putting that out but hopefully we find out soon because that, that's a movie I they can't say wait there's again. a distributor yeah. <laughs> yeah. intent but the thing and, and truffle hunters don't forget about that one but um i'm gonna say of all the political documentaries that are oh, just the sort human floating factor around. that's a
2: good one in, in I, I haven't NYC. seen that one yet but i think yeah. dora
1: mora is an interesting filmmaker of all the political documentaries that i've sort of waded through this season the one that actually affected me the most not emotionally but but really made me think things through and actually instigated to some degree my decision to join phone banking for the first time wh- was all in the stacey abrams documentary absolutely you interviewed stacey. But i have to say that movie it it could be sort of like it could at any moment just devolve into pure agitprop and like rah-rah look what this woman did and she just cheated and all that stuff and it does do that but it also does a really good job of showing explicitly how voter suppression works and and how people are bending the system in a certain way. And so it's like, once you see that, you cannot unsee that. And it made me just a much more engaged uh, citizen as a result. And I think that's something people should really take a look at. That movie of all the you know, totally under control, really good breakdown of the, you know, Absolutely. Criminal, all that, that kind of stuff. You know, the John Lewis doc, powerful, but all in is the one I think that makes the, the best argument in in terms of what it's trying to get across so that's that that is outside of the 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 netflix miniseries that we're watching on tv right now i feel like that's the political movie of the season and um and you know i have to ask you one thing before we before we wrap how do you think the outcome of this election is going to change the tenor of our discussion about the movie because we we've talked about movies like borat you know the fact that it is you know, it, it, it a tells you to component. vote as a political Absolutely. component, right? But this stuff is, these are, that's a political movie in which the will elevate up to the election. Right. Yeah. So if the election goes the way that we're hoping it's going, you could argue that is another Thing that kind of helped i mean if, absolutely if it's part of the zeitgeist that we're
2: talking about the zeitgeist is always part of the awards conversation and everybody especially if we're talking oscars but here's the thing uh, eric your groups uh the, the different uh, critics groups are not on the oscar calendar they're going to be staying they're going to be sticking with with uh, the the regular calendar um you you the new york when are the new york film critics going to vote
1: We're gonna vote in the the beginning of December, so we're on the uh, we're on that timeline more or less that we usually are. Which I and and I've already started, you know, sort of exchanging notes with peers. I mean, we usually do that, but it's it's there's a lot of curiosity this time around. You know, do the do the big movies that we've discussed end up being the ones that kind of define the conversation, or is there this kind of Collective impulse to spread the love is are, are, are certain movies that we assume to be front runners actually more divisive than we realize, and how could that end up unfolding so I think it's, it's totally unpredictable which frankly is awesome. You know I love that. And does it have an impact on the rest of the Oscar conversation I guess that the question more that, than ever. More, I'm going and, to and argue I, I so.
2: that it's going to have more imp- okay, because there's so. If you have fewer uh, voices and fewer avenues for. Um, uh, sending people in the direction of watching this or that over something else, then you're going to have to rely on the critics to tell you some of that information. Um, I mean, maybe there are people at the Academy who are sampling all the different things that are available, and and I hope they are, but um, they're still going to need some uh, some direction. And I think that the critics are going to have an enormous impact. And I think the election is going to have an We're enormous direct impact. The
1: hell out of them. yeah Yeah. the election for sure so next week i guess we'll be in doc nyc mode so we'll have some of that stuff to talk about knock on freaking wood we'll have an election result so we can actually have a post-election episode and then we can really look at the answer to that question of how the election will impact things uh for now and i'm gonna go i don't bite my nails but i've got some sweaty palms here i'm gonna continue to obsess over how john king is still awake uh, hovering over that election map. And I hope you're finding ways to stay safe and sound and, and anxiety-free, at least to the extent that that's even humanly possible right
2: now. <laughs> it's, call me when it's over. All I right, darling. Talk to you next Bye. week. Bye. Bye.